Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Kia ora, welcome to the Aotearoa Rugby Pod here on Sky Sport and Rugby Pass. I'm Ross Carl, joined in studio by James Parsons in Auckland and Bryn Hall down in Christchurch. And we're going to get straight into it because we can. There's no part of us that's enjoying this in any way possible. The Crusaders, they got tripped up on the weekend. 33-12 and none of us saw it coming, Jibba. Well, I'm not enjoying it because I didn't pick them. <laughs> I would have, if I'd picked the Highlanders, if I'd put my uh, money where my banter mouth was and I was winding Brenner up on text, um, I, I would have looked pretty in the old picks. But I picked the Crusaders and uh, uh, I should have just gone with the Highlanders. As we all did. Yeah. As we all did. Britta, how are you feeling a couple of days after that? Are you in shock or...? Yeah, it was a, it was a good and honest review, if I'm being honest. Um, yeah, I think the fact that you know, it wasn't just a loss, it was pretty, pretty embarrassing, to be honest. I think um, the Highlanders came down there and um, so I came up and really gave, really gave it to us. And you know, we were just probably that, that bit off a little percentage-wise. And we've said a lot on this... Um, super rugged doobies that you know, if you're just a couple of percent off, you know, you get results like you do on the weekend. And, and to be honest, we were probably a little bit off around our execution. You know, we had 22 unforced errors in, in our game, which is, you know, was really high for us. And uh, we based ourselves on getting really um, good execution and making good decisions. And, you know, probably decisions plus the execution was probably the losing of our game. And, um, and again, I thought the Highlanders really pounced on us. I thought they were pretty smart around their game management, around picking up points early. Um, Hunty. Um, got a couple of penalties to get the ball rolling um, to have a little bit of scoreboard pressure and then they scored that try and you know you were actually pretty lucky to go in probably 16, 7 and a half time when we scored a try just for half time because I thought that probably that first half they played it to a tee and played really well and then you know, we'd usually think that um, we made the adjustments that we wanted to in that second half but again our execution and unforced errors and discipline was probably a combination of things, a lot of those things that really undid us on the weekend and you know, I thought there were a few individual um a few individual guys that played really well for the Highlanders. You know, I thought Mitchell Hunt was exceptional on the weekend. Um, I think he was his, his junior play kicking. He put us under a lot of pressure around our exit zone with scrums and lineouts, kicking them, kicking them long and getting it in behind us and finding grass and you know, really suffocating us. And again, just our decision making and probably execution around those certain things and in a lot of aspects in our game as well. We just didn't get right on the weekend. So yeah, it was, it was a tough review. Razor really um, came in this week and um, came in today. Sorry and. We're a little bit more deeper in our prep and our review. You know, we'd like to think you don't need a loss to be able to rectify a few of the um, mistakes that we made. But again, whenever you do lose, it's you come in a little bit more hungry and a little bit more um, on edge, knowing that you know you're probably in for a tough review, which it was, and probably needed, really needed for our, for our performance on the weekend. I think um, defensively, if you looked at the stats, you know, uh, the Highlanders were around a tackle stat around that eighty percent mark which doesn't read that pretty, but a lot of their defence put your skill set under pressure. You spoke about those errors, but also at the set piece, so often we see the Crusaders get in a nice little rhythm. You know, uh, you know, we can refer to you as the machine. The machine gets going and you go to your box kick game and you get in that aerial 
um, battle. You know, George Bridge was back. We know how you know how exceptional he is in the air, and you know you've, other wingers have been doing the business while he's been away. But the Highlanders again defensively went to sacking them all. You know, so you weren't given it all your own way. I felt like the Highlanders really came with an attitude or a mindset to just not give you what you wanted, um, and which sort of unsettled you and and, and maybe force those errors. Did it feel like that out there? It just oh, I know you would have would have been watching from the bench for, you know, the first, you know, stanza and, and then you had to come on and try and I suppose come from behind from your place. But you know, I know that you're a student of the game, so you would have been watching, um, thinking about it from, you know, that first half perspective. Did it feel that they just sort of came out there to just sort of disrupt um, sort of no fear attitude from a defensive aspect? Yeah, I, th- I think they did definitely defensively. I think we were just a little bit off when it came to our breakdown. Traditionally, you know, we want to play at a, at a high tempo and, you know, the conditions were actually pretty good on the weekend where we probably wanted to implement that a bit better. And what I mean around that is probably our cleaning, our breakdown was pretty sloppy. And so then, you know, guys like Billy Harmon were getting a few turnovers and stunting our, our um, momentum. And especially with us having so many errors and discipline errors, especially discipline at the first part of the of the game and then not building momentum through that with them getting points. And then when we did have the ball, we'd just make uncharacteristic states, which put us under pressure again. And so it was, it was a real flow and effect, a real snowball effect of like, yep, we've got a little bit of momentum here. We've lost it with a poor clean, um, a decision maker, a decision making problem, and probably just a skill execution as well. So when you marry up those three things, you could probably get away with if you're just having one of those things and you can rectify it pretty quickly. But I felt that it was just kind of a snowball effect for us where we just weren't getting anything right in that first half. And it probably symbolized with 16 points scored against us. And again, coming back to your point around making really good decisions with them defensively, putting us under pressure in our skill set and probably our ineffectiveness at the breakdown probably cost us a bit in that first half. We all get carried away with kind of the idea of unbeatable teams and teams that are running away with competitions, but more often than not, most teams don't get through a competition unscathed, do they? No, I don't think um, in this competition in particular. Like We know how formidable the Crusaders are. They've had four years where they've been the pinnacle. And, and, you know, there's no doubt that they're still the pinnacle team. You know, one week doesn't make them a bad team. They've been exceptional this whole comp. And there's, we sort of probably expect a hell of a bounce back. You know, Bryn's already touched on the ruthless nature that they're already focusing on this. But, you know, a little bit of a backs-against-the-wall mindset for the Highlanders. They had plenty of pr- to prove. They had guys coming in that have been waiting for an opportunity. Um, and, and I think, uh, you know, I sort of touched on it last week on, a, on another um, show that I do on radio that when they've got a leadership group that, you know, when they're the underdog, you know, sort of like in 2015, when they're expected to not do something and they really have that feeling about them where it's like, you know, if, if we, we're sort of expected not to do something, they've got that really fighting, they love that underdog status. And and it was, it was sort of set up perfectly and I, like that Bryn touched on that scoreboard pressure. They really uh, took advantage of that, um, you know, that territory game. Every time they made a line break, rather than trying to link with the guy inside and out, if you notice, they put it on the boot. They really tried to strangle the Crusaders into their own territory. Uh, and, and that showed in the kicking stat. I think it was 35 kicks in play for the Highlanders to the Crusaders 23. And, and, and I think that showed their mindset. It was like, let's just play down their end. Let's try and you know, pin them into their end and, and strangle them when sometimes you know, maybe that would have been looking to interplay and potentially could have been a turnover, could have you know, maybe forced their hand and played in that 40-metre zone. But they always put on their foot, put the ball right down in that 22 and, and made the Crusaders either had to play out 
or you know exit um, by then they were like we want to D we want to put that defensive pressure and there's one thing putting that defensive pressure on but then making it count through you know that that skill set era and they tow it through and eventually scoring through Michael Collins is one and then uh, through Connor Garden Bishop that puts the seal on is is another and that's what I mean like the Crusaders have been put under pressure before but they're such a good team that normally they can fight and find their way out of it and I think Bryn probably nailed it there is they've had the ability when they've had one or two factors go wrong they can find their way out of it because they are so good Uh, but when there's two or three factors going against them they just haven't been able to manage it but I do want to credit the the effectiveness of the Highlanders and their ability to make it count because it's one forcing the error but then two being able to take the points that are on offer and Turn those t- turn turn those turnovers into points, and then creating scoreboard pressure via the boot by three points. I think one thing that they got um, that did really well was was their adjustments. I think if you look at the first time we played them, um, they had a lot of opportunities inside our own half, inside that twenty-two around the line-out drive, and being able to try and get over the line where they probably didn't get those points that they deserved. And you know, again, that gives us momentum and gave us a lot more. Um, excitement around, you know, we actually hadn't, hadn't given any points away and we had the momentum back, but I think again, I touched on it earlier around, you know, taking those points and not going to the mall a lot. You know, the times that they did come in there, they came a little bit, but there was actually a couple of punter specials plays to get around to get around to get around us, not try, try to go through us, so I thought those adjustments were, were really good from the Highlands compared to the last time we played them in round one, and I actually thought their, their attack as well was really good. They went down our short side quite a lot, coming back with a lot of players around our short side, and we probably got a lot of gain out of that, whereas you know, probably in the past, if they feel like they're not going anywhere, you know, they've got Fakatava or Aaron Smith putting up contestables and we can get the ball back there. So the game plan that they had and the adjustments around holding on to the ball and not, not giving us the ball was probably um, a real good um, thought process around them. And then again, when they did get into our half, they got them through their points through Hunty and then probably um, making the learnings that they did in round one, probably not going to our line out more and being able to have a bit of a variation around how they could strike off line outs. Looking at Mitch Hunt, I mean, it was a very strong performance. He's been in good form and, and showed towards the end of last year as well um, during the Mitre 10 Cup how good he is. Is he in the, the pecking order now? You know, we, we need a first five around the place. Is, is he going to be in the conversation for the All Blacks? Well, I, th- I think he is. I think he already was at the start of the season when he made the North versus South. Mm. And, and I think that was the confidence boost he needed. I think he's come out and he said he wasn't expecting to make that and that almost gave him the boost. And then, you know, coming into the season, he almost wants to just kick on from there. He's had a couple of big performances. I think the, the Chiefs come back. He was a big part of that, him and Josh together. But he was, he was a big one in orchestrating us. And then this is another one. And I think it was the triple threat game. He had all sort of skill sets. Um, and the biggest thing that, you know, Bryn's touched on again there is the lessons he took from the first time he played the Crusaders into this one, his ability to get points when they're in the 22, not only just through the threes, but I think uh, Billy Harmon's try, you know, um, Fayanuku rushes out at him, he uses his feet and still gets the ball away, and then obviously they score through Billy Harmon there. That's, that's, that's quite a skill set to be able to you know, not be frightened by feeling that pressure. He has the ability to keep his feet and still get the ball and execute that pass. Um, and then just that's, and then the general game awareness, like when I was saying before, when he made those line breaks, it would have been so easy for him to look inside, look out, connect. But he, he had a game plan and a mindset to play down there. And, 
um, I had a discussion with the people I was watching the game with. They're like, why is he kicking the ball? And I was like, well, he's putting all the pressure back on them. He's getting the ball down their half, and he's just corralling them into the corner, putting them into their 22. And they're like, oh, keep the ball in hand. And, and, and I was trying to explain that there's, it's a lot of pressure to get out of your half, and mm. rather than a ruck around, you know, the damage had been done. Rather than having a ruck 30 out or 40 out, um, and you know you don't have a hell of a lot of support. Um, you're in behind the line, put it on the boot, and then you know you got that kick pressure. And and they just they really stuck to their guns for that 80 minutes, and um, it just shows the the beauty of um, orchestrating a, a complete plan. And I think the beauty of the three points. I think the Crusaders showed that against the Blues, the three-point strategy and how that scoreboard pressure can unfold and then it changed your mindset in the opposition. You start having to chase the game. And again, it's shown here at 16-7, you know, just going to the break, you think, oh, well, that gives the Crusaders a sniff. But then straight after the break, they go for another kick that's 19-7. You're starting to think, I don't know what Bryn was saying, he'll be able to learn more, but you're starting to think, oh, well, that's, you know, you're going to have to get two converted tries here to, to get ahead. And then they obviously score, you know, so now you're really chasing it. And then they get another three and then they, you know, the game's gone by then, you know. So those crucial threes they took, at the start of the game really paid dividends for them later in the game where normally we see the Crusaders take over and, and score a lot of their points. There's probably a difference around that as well, Chip. So, you know, you have a feel as a captain is that you know, sometimes going for the three as a defensive team, you're like, oh, yeah, we've actually been let off the hook here. Like, you know, if they yeah. went for a scrum or, or, or try to go for a try, like, well, that's probably running the pump here. And sometimes you take a three, you're like, oh, cool, the pressure's relieved. We can go and um, kick it long, and then we can build push that way. But it was just very different. It was just a very good, good game management, good kick, good kickering work around getting the points when they're well deserved. And yeah, it's it's not more so around um, when you get in those points. It's just around like it's subconsciously. You don't, you know, you you try and be process driven. You try and be first task, next task focused. But you know, you're always just looking at the back, just around and just seeing well, how much time is it? What's our score? And so again, you can have all the plans in place, and we're, we're pretty good around having plans in place around that. But most of consciousness in your head, you just start having this conversation and you know, we're running out a bit of time here. And again, the, the difference from accumulating those points this uh, last week when they were in Christchurch compared to when they let us off the hook around not being able to execute and get tries and points when they replayed them in round one, this kind of fed to us and gave us more confidence around it. So. Uh, this is turning into the Flower Fakatava show week by week because he's so good. But again, he's looking solid on the weekend. TJ is... Probably going to be back in time for Test Footy if there is Test Footy. Does Falau sneak in at all? Do you put him as a you know a guy who comes into the squad to learn? What do you do with Falau on the international scene? Uh, it's a tough one because I think um, you know Brad Weber has signed on and, and worked so hard to put himself right back in the mix. Um, I, I think you know guys like Bryn. I know he won't like saying this, but he's worked really hard. He's been in and around the environment. Um, and, his, and his counterpart Mitch Drummond as well, you know, like there's, there's guys that have sort of been in and around that scene and, and biding their time that probably deserve an opportunity or some, some opportunity in and around that All Black squad as well. Uh, I do like the apprenticeship style for someone like Falau Whakatawa in the sense that the growth he's had under Aaron Smith already and, and we saw that development in the Magpies, we're starting to really see it in the Highlanders and, and I think we've seen the benefit it is for him as an individual and his play. So something like that, some exposure 
to that level and, and, a, and a slow burn uh, could be all the more beneficial for him. Um, and I think, you know, with the nature of the tests, um, you know, there could be some opportunity for that in-house experience and then sending him back to some Mitre 10 Cup or something like that. Uh, that could work really well. If he keeps playing the, well, the way he's playing, I think he's knocking down the door for a genuine chance as well because he is playing some seriously good codes. So I don't want his inexperience, I suppose, to play against him either because he's playing good enough code to warrant selection as well. But there's, I just don't think we can look away from guys like Brad Weber, you know, Bryn Hall and Mitch Drummond who have stayed around for an opportunity as well. It's not like it's hard for me with you know, being a nine, but I think looking just at his performances, it's, it's super rugby level. I think, in a, and especially in a, in a game um, like it was on the weekend, against a team that's, you know, full with a lot of All Blacks, um, a big game, big game players and probably um, a good benchmark if, you know, there were test levels and being in that All Black environment, playing against a team of, of that calibre. Um, he played. He played well, and so you know, you want to warrant it on performances. And he played played really well. And has been playing well off the bench as well with Nuggy and, and that apprenticeship. So, yeah, it's, it, again, if you if you continue to keep playing like that, then you probably warrant it off selection if you're playing consistently like that every single time. And then on the other side around Jip, you know, they've, had, they've obviously had a lot of success around the apprenticeship, apprenticeship program around Gordy, I think Hardy as well. We've been through that kind of process as well. So. Whether they want to go through there with the slow burn and be able to bring them bring them into the environment and get them to have a look what it's all about um, and to see what it's about and then gets to be in that environment. But then again, if you consistently keep playing at a high level, then you've also got to have the conversation around warranted around performance of being selected. So um, now look, he's been in, in tremendous form and his growth has been the best thing that I've seen from him. And especially in a game like it was on the weekend where um, you know it was a good against us and. Again, I just thought his performances have continued to keep getting better and that'll be the main thing for him moving forward, definitely. The Blues got a solid win. I don't think it was ever really in doubt from the start. Um, it wasn't a pretty game. Uh, the Hurricanes, where are they at the moment, Chippo? Oh, well, firstly, I suppose like the next day after the game, I was, was walking around and everyone was like, oh, you know, pretty much like that. It wasn't a pretty game. But I just think it was two sides that were desperate for the points. Um, you know, and and it was, it was it was a good tight tussle. And, and you know, from my point of view, I just saw it differently to everyone else because there was a number of people saying, "Oh, nah, mate, that's not how I saw it." And I, I enjoyed it from a spectacle that it was a tight fixture. Um, it had plenty going on, and you know, like from the point that I thought the Hurricanes really managed those yellow cards really well. You know, there wasn't too much damage. Uh, they went into the break at 10-9 and then came out and got a penalty early and they were 12-10 up and, and, you know, probably looking really comfortable. On the flip side of that, I thought the Blues were exceptional in their, uh, I suppose, their their growth from the week before that they never looked panicked. Mm. You know, even when they didn't get the reward from the yellow cards on the scoreboard, they just looked like they were constantly in control. And, and you know, I felt like Tom Robinson was... Uh, leading that, you know, like constantly saw him on camera. He was positive. He was, you know, pumping the, the group up. And his positive energy, I felt like, just kept filtering through, like, we've got this, we've got this, you know, and it just kept on flowing, flowing through. And, and it was like they just stuck to their plan and they eventually broke them down. And, and 
everyone was like, oh, you know, it took them a while to break, the, break them down. And it's like, well, hold on a minute. It was only a week ago that we were crediting Corey Jane for this fantastic shift in the Hurricanes D and how hard they were to break down. But as soon as it takes, you know, the Blues a while to break them down, it, it's, it's clunky. It's like you, we can't go from one week to the other. The Hurricanes are a quality outfit. And they are a tough team to break down defensively. They, 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 um, they tackled at 91% on the night. It was, you know, the Blues got three tries, one penalty, penalty try, two you know, through normal tries. But it's like they, they're actually a, a clinical side defensively and they, they make teams work really hard for their points. And that's why I think it was a really good uh, performance from the Blues in terms of their calm cool-headed nature to just work their way through the 80 minutes to get the job done. A couple of work on areas, I think, probably for both sides when they look at the tape, was their set piece. Yep. Due to the nature, I think, both packs came to, to do business. You know, like they really wanted to set the tone at scrum time. You know, the both scrums really wanted to just... It was action stations at every scrum. And, you know, I think you saw that uh, in the aftermatch speeches, you know, with Colsey and, and, and the way he was saying that it was, it was all on. And in and line-out time, there was still, you know, a bit of competition in the air and, and both sides were trying to get one up there. So it was, it was more a, because each side was competing hard that they were disrupted. So they, they'd want to shore up that. But, I, you know, it wasn't so much that... Um, it was a, it was an ugly spectacle. I think it was just two sides brought their A game, and it, it was a tight tussle that was earned. Um, interested that uh, the the Blues didn't kick to the corner to try and go for the bonus point. Uh, they went for the three. I don't know if you picked that up, Bryn, but uh, I know that it was within seven, and you know take the risk out of it and 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 get the game won. Um, but that bonus point could be crucial. You know, now that the, knowing that the Crusaders had lost uh, around that home final, you know, I know that's ambitious thinking, mm. but it's a thought nonetheless. Yeah, a bonus point given versus a bonus point taken away, and yeah. which one's more important? And and um, I know that I've just credited the Hurricanes D in it, and and but an, an opportunity nonetheless that maybe could have been considered. But outside of that, I, I thought both teams came with a hell of an attitude. And it was it was it was a fierce contest that they both lived up to, and uh, tactically they both came at it. And as I, as I said, it was it was a hard fought win by the Blues and a, and a hard fought um, fight by the Hurricanes. When you know two yellow cards to stay in the fight, and the way they orchestrated their game was pretty impressive as well. Probably in that first half, the Blues probably didn't get what they wanted just with the execution. We talked around our execution and not getting our our stuff right with our game plan around errors. I think there was a lot of errors in, in that first half of the Blues and there's probably a message that Dan Hellingahu said at halftime around having patience and building pressure. And so when they did that, then if I look at that, um, for one of their tries, you know, they had they built up 10, 12 phases, which is probably the first time they got to that kind of late phase count and putting the Hurricanes defence under pressure. And then um, I thought the Hurricanes did really, really well in that first half considering, um, I think, you know, a few penalties that I probably thought shouldn't have gone their way, went against them, and they also got two yellow cards, and to come in at 10-9 at half-time, considering they hadn't had 40 men on for the field for the majority of that first half, I thought they did really well to hold on hold on to that, whereas probably in that first half, the Blues didn't get the execution right and didn't pay for them on the, with the points, but I thought a word that really, two words that kind of described that game to me, it was just a real arm wrestle, like Jim, you talked mm. about, I thought it was a really intense encounter, um, 
look, probably the execution side wasn't great, but I think desperation of two teams showed with that. It showed there were two desperate teams, and it was just a real arm wrestle for 60 minutes. And then I think the Blues just got a lot better around their, their patience. And, I, you know, I look at that um, Mark Talia's try, they built a really good um, amount of phase. And then Rico, you know, had a mismatch with Isaiah Walker, Leah Weddy, gets around him and then draws a pass to Mark Talia because yeah, they built that patience and they executed really, really well. And then Rico, who didn't actually have a lot of opportunities on the weekend, all it took for a guy of his caliber to get one opportunity, saw a mismatch with um, Walker Leeweddy, gets on the outside and then draws a pass to Mark Talia and gives him a bit of a buffer, a bit of a buffer for the for the rest of that game. So, no, I thought it was a it was an it was an intense match and desperate. You could see two teams are desperate to try and win the game. Um, and I just probably thought that the second half of the game opened up a little bit more and it wasn't as tight. And then again. The patience, I thought, and the composure of the Blues being able to build phases and execute a little bit better, I think was probably the difference in the end um, for that game. Let's talk a bit about Tom Robinson. You mentioned him earlier. I mean, I'm not sure everyone thought, geez, this guy's going to be a captain of the Blues this year. Can you give us a bit of an insight into what he's like as a a rugby player? Because he's obviously a smart guy. He's obviously a passionate guy and brings a lot on the field. No, he, he's been in and around the leadership group. He's been in the senior leadership group um, last year and obviously this year. So no, he's he's done a couple of pre-season captaincy roles. And um, no, he's, he's definitely been in and around uh, for, for an opportunity, say, if Paddy went down. Um, and with TJ uh, Fiani's injury early on and he's just coming back in, it, you know, I'd say he was the logical choice. I thought he was he was so controlled in his captaincy decisions. I don't know... If you saw it just before they went to the big screen um, for uh, Duplessis Creefy's clean out, he was up there challenging the ref, and the ref said, "No, no, go, go away, Tom." But that's what brought around that challenge. You know, like he for his first game as captain, I felt like he was really controlled, and and and, and again, I spoke about his body language and all that. That just flowed. Him as a person, he's, he's always energy. He's energetic. Um, him as a player, we know it's the same thing. He's just rips into everything. I just think with Tom, it's what you see is what you get and that's what everyone loves about and that's why he's an infectious person that you want to follow. So I think he makes a great uh, skipper in that sense because you, you you know there's no BS when it comes with Tom and that's the that's the beauty is you just always know where you stand. So I, I think, you know, for his first night at, um, as the skipper, he can be, you know, really, really proud um, of, of what, he, what he put out there and um, you know the Blues will be, you know, looking uh, during this bye week to make sure that they sharpen up for a crucial three weeks ahead because this this competition's right right back in it. Now Dane Coles made some comments about how the coaching staff and players need to be honest with themselves. Now Dane is a guy who wears his heart on his sleeve and really feels stuff and says it. Are they at that point? I, I don't think they're at the looking in the mirror point yet, are they? I don't think he meant too much by yeah. it like that. I think right. that's how Dane would review every week. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think that's just how it is. Like I know, um, you know. Look, I've been as a as a captain or as a player, uh, been asked the same thing and and said those sorts of things after every week. You know, I I, I think even after a win, uh, Colsey would think that way. So mm-hmm. I don't think there's too much of a, you know, there's not there's nothing more to those comments than themselves and and who he is as a person for me. I don't think he's trying to call anyone out. He's just saying, look, I'm going to be really brutally honest with myself. I expect the same of others, and it's going to take strong leadership of ourselves to nail this week, 
to make sure that we hit the ground running against a really strong Crusader side. And that's, yeah. that's the nuts and bolts of it for me. Someone that's probably, a, he's a bit of a talisman, definitely a talisman in that group. And if you hear that from a leader in your, in your, in your, in your side, you know, it's going to have one or two effects. Either going to help you really well or it won't. But I, I can imagine they have that much respect for Dane around his delivery and how much he's done for, for the team and him, him as a person. You know, it's probably, again, it'll, it'll galvanise them and it'll make them sure that they'll have that week of preparation being able to get it right because you know, they're, a proud, they're a proud team and, again, they'll be playing at home. Uh, they'll be playing at home against us and look, every time we get an opportunity to play them um, in Wellington, we know how much harder it is playing in front of their fans and in front of their people. So, yeah, I think Jibba's hit it on the head around that. It's just, um, he's competitive. He's a competitive guy and wants to win. He's, he's, he's a winner. So, yeah, no, no doubt that'll be for them moving forward. It's right after the fact, and that's I think he's hit on here. He's a competitive man, and he he just doesn't like losing. And like he's all he's already thinking about right. How can I get better? How can we get better? And someone's asked him how, and that's that's the first thought. He's like, we just got to be honest, so that we can be better each day, so that we can get a result. Yeah, yeah. Um, honestly, I don't want to see Nani Lamape go to France. <laughs> Being honest, if I hope he doesn't sign. Uh, this talk that he's going to head there. Yeah, oh, look, that's going to be up to Nani, isn't it? Yeah. I don't think anyone can stop it other than that. Um, I, I don't think he's fulfilled um, his his dream, I suppose, yet, has he? Because every time... I, I think he's always played really well, hasn't he? He's, um, he's always been right there um, for the picking and probably the front-runner for All Black selection, and then he's got injured. I don't know if you see it that way, but like he's in hot form for the Hurricanes and then probably picked up an injury and just hasn't been able to play the, the amount of all-black rugby he's wanted. And then again this year, he's hot form again and he's right in line to probably be starting uh, for the all-blacks again. So um, if, if he does go to France, then, you know, I, I wish him well, obviously, but I hope he doesn't because I think he's got a huge all-black um, career ahead of him and, and he's just I, I just think there's parts of his game that he's clearly really determined to work on this year and like he, he, we know the strengths that he has but I love his attitude that he's taken this year he's really looking to work on his kicking game he's really looking to work on his link game and that doesn't come from a player that uh, doesn't have a growth mindset mm. so, so Nani for me clearly has a growth mindset and clearly wants to get better every day. And so one, that tells me that he's a good leader and others will want to follow him because he's the best in his field. So he has so much more to offer than just the skill set he has on the field. And that's the sort of player you probably want to keep in the game um, and you want to keep in New Zealand as well. So that's me being the outside looking in. Um, I don't know Nani personally. I've only been steamrolled by him personally. Um, but... Uh, those are the sorts of things, and the effort he's putting on in on his work on areas, to me, shows a lot more about his character and, and where he could potentially get to, um, and the excitement uh, for me of where he could get to in the All Black jersey. But it's not that he hasn't been selected or, or given the opportunity. Unfortunately for me, every time he's played himself right into hot form to be selected, um, you know, he's picked up a, you know, the injury of a broken arm or um, I can't remember the others, but that's how it felt like. I might be wrong, but that's how I've felt. You know, we'll always know how, how much of a dominant ball carrier Nani is and how much, how much he imposes people as well on that. And you know, he's had a lot of success in the All Black jersey and in the Hurricanes jersey as well around his running game. But 
you know, the changes in his game that he's tried to implement. You know, I look at his kicking games, his crossfield kicks. He's had a couple of those this year where he's been for a try assist. Little grubbers are inside the 22. We able to see where the kick space is. And you know, you'd probably say back in 2017, probably didn't have that in his repertoire, you know, a couple of years ago. But now he's trying to evolve and trying to give that um, that pivot, you know, that second five pivot where, you know, he plays. That's what they, what's they're looking for, you know, a guy that can be that triple threat. And I think Nani is making a conscious effort to try and do that. And so when you've got an individual that's that's driven and wants to be like that as a coach, you know, that's that's all you'd want in a player who's obviously got that growth mindset. And he's actually doing it at the at that level. So, you know, I think it'd be a shame for for him to leave, and um, especially where I, I agree with Jip, he's got so much to give more in the All Blacks jersey. He's given a lot to the Hurricanes, and you know, hasn't been injured in a lot of those campaigns. So you've been able to see, been able to see that on, on on a reoccurring theme all the all the time. But I think for the All Black level, it's been able to you know not get injured and um, then been able to play and. Um, implement the things that he's done so well at the Hurricanes, not just this year, but um, you know, for 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 a long for a long time. So, um, fingers crossed, he stays in stays in New Zealand. I think any time we do play against him, I'm very similar to been steamroll by him for a couple of times. So, um, if he did go, it'd be nice not to get that running that number twelve running down the channel. But yeah, I think he's got a lot more to give in in New Zealand rugby, and you can see with how he's playing around, how he's evolved, and how much better he's got around um, different parts of his game. Yeah, he's full of surprises, Nani Lamapa. That's what I like about him. I mean, you talk about the growth mindset, you know. He'll he'll hit you with more speed than you thought he had. Then he'll hit you with the ability to be a first receiver, like Bryn said, you know. Yeah. And and what that does for the opposition is make them go, oh, no, how do we defend this guy? What's he actually going to do? Mm. Well, that, that's, you know, like, look at it this year. Past years, we're used to seeing him on the left or right flank for the crossfield kick or... You know, the, the just getting him on edge and space to use his, you know, either his speed or his ability to bump players. But this this year, we've seen him at first receiver, first receiver distributing, and next minute he's out the back of that forward pod. Next minute he's running a decoy line. Like he's played so many roles for the betterment of his team, and that's 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 where you get a another insight to his leadership and and his his willingness to do what's best for the team and. All these other little avenues, and, and that's what I mean as well. Like, there's so much more that he's offering um, in that Canes environment than just his play, and that is just as valuable as that skill set and ability that he's giving on a Saturday to that uh, Monday to Friday preparation and, and I suppose mentorship and, and ability for others to follow and see. Okay, that's what he's doing. This is what I should be doing, and it's that come with me sort of style as well. So. That, that whole package that he can offer um, is, is pretty valuable. And when you look at the way they've selected the All Black midfielders over the last few years, they've gone for all-rounders. They've gone for guys like Jack, like Anton Leonard-Brown, guys who've got a little bit of everything. And there is no way in the world you could argue now that that is not Nani Lamape. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. No, uh, no. Oh, you go, Brent. You go. You go. 
Uh, No, I don't think it is. Uh, You can't argue with it. And and I think, you know, he's still refining it. Uh, But, you know, and I don't want to put this pressure on him because those players are different because I I don't think they've got the same strengths as he has and he doesn't have the same strengths. They're they're quite different style Mm. of players. But one thing, one player that, he does remind me of, and you know, like I don't want to put this pressure on. I hate comparing players, and but he is like a mutton on it. You know, the, he's trending in the same direction. The way he's growing his game, you know, Mutt was the same. He was, he was, you know, told he needed to work on his kicking, and 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 you know, he did that and worked, and he grew into you know the world's best second five, and still is playing extremely well to this day. And and again, um, you know, understanding how. I, you know, spent time with Mutt in an environment, you know, he's the same person with a growth mindset and, and what he can offer squads. So, um, you know, I think that's more of a like for like in, in the trajectory of his career. And if, if we could get him hanging around and, and build into something like that, you know, he's got a hell of a lot to offer. And I think, and I think that's the important thing, Jip. I think, you know, you know Mutt, I went through a similar situation where, um, you know, he'd actually spent a, a lot of time, he'd been in the Hurricanes environment and snuck it out in New Zealand, and you know, you reap the rewards of that being about being able to be a, a, a linchpin and an important part in the All Blacks jersey for that 2011 and 2015 World Cup. So, again, obviously, Nani's going to make the best decision for himself and, and his family moving forward. But yeah, I think he's just got a lot more to give in New Zealand rugby because of just the way, of where his game's going and the kind of growth and changes that he's made into his game, which are only going to benefit him next um, with, at the All Black level if he ends up playing here and having that opportunity. And it's an area where there is opportunity. I mean, there are so many candidates there that can be mixed and matched. That's what I mean. I think he's a different type of player. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, to Anton, to Jack, to Rico. You know, they would be quite... He would mix into quite a good little combination. Yeah, you know, they wouldn't be all like for like. Mm. That would give them the ability to play different styles and, and have different combinations against different opposition and not be a... You know, the All Blacks wouldn't be like a, a one-trick pony or just relying on the same guys all the time. And I think that would be great balance for, for Ian Foster and co to have uh, in, in the stables. Mm. I really like the idea, you know, of Manu Tuilangi, Ma'anonu, Sunny Bill Williams, having one of your midfielders who is just such a specialist at getting over the gain line, no matter who's in yeah, front of them. And that's him, yeah. isn't it? You just know that you give him the ball on a good platform it's going to take a couple to stop them. Yeah, yeah. you can have the Carlos Spencer-Sam Tupo relationship where if you're in a little bit of trouble, but it, it up it, as well. Even, even on a good platform, you know, he's going to draw attention. Mm. You, can, you can crash him a couple of times and they can think he's coming and it sucks in defenders, which will create opportunity for others. It's such a, such a weapon because even when you don't use him, it's going to create space somewhere else. Yeah, hopefully Ian Foster's mm. listening. Yeah. Get in there, boy. Come on. <laughs> um, Ian Foster's now got to get a new All Black captain. He does. Where on earth, Brent, let's start with you. What do you do with your Black captaincy right now if Sam Kane's not there? So you look at Sam Warlock, who, who's done it before, and um, you know, for me personally, that's probably the direction that I'd go in with Sam. He's a guy that's, that's proven at that level. Um, it, it wouldn't be new to him, and he's been successful when he's, when he's done that. And again, he's had that um, time with us, um, with the Crusaders, been able to captain us for three years and have success around and I think for the fact that he just had so much experience as well um, it's going to be it'll just be an easy transition for him and um, you know I think that 
um, you know, Sam's obviously going to come back and he'll um, end up getting that back. But I think we just want a bit of a transition for that four or five months. You know, whatever, however, how long Sammy's out for, it'll be a short period, obviously. Um, you know, I'll probably say Sam would be the probably option that, I'll, that I'd go for. Yeah, look, I agree. I think the logical choice is obviously when the decision was being made, it was between the two Sams. And um, Sam Whitelock's done the job before. He's got the experience. And it's not going to... Uh, be such a big adjustment uh, to the group because one, you know he's going to be selected purely because his form mm. at the moment I, th I think he's playing some of his best footy uh, you know like I, I, I don't, his, his stint in Japan and, and he's come back from that and he just I mean he's, he's playing some seriously good code and, and almost lifting his standards uh, to a higher level uh, which I think is exciting for him but also um, for the All Blacks so and I think the captaincy brings the best out of him. So what it will do for him and his game will be great. Um, outside of that, you know, say he's not available, you, you, you've then got Dane Coles, who I think will fit into the role quite nicely. Um, I think he's great at international level. Um, you know, he's, he's a great option at starter, but um, to go to him straight away is tough because there's great competition between himself and Cody, Asafa and Moore's mm. around there. So then that's a that's a tougher selection, but he's definitely in and around the mix um, to, to have the ability to do the role. Uh, you know, Scott Barrett's doing a, doing a pretty good job for the Crusaders. I have to, you know, mention Patrick Tuipolotu. I think he has to start coming into the discussion because he's um, done a pretty good job at um, turning things around at the Blues and, he, and he's really developing into a... Uh, a role that where captaincy brings the best out of them. Um, you know, I'm not too sure how he'd feel about it at that level, but um, you know, I know he'd be excited for maybe a little bit more of a, a, a senior role and a little bit more responsibility in this space. While Sam, Sammy Kane's, you know, away from the group, he's probably still going to, um, you know, be in and around their group. But maybe it's an opportunity for others to step into um, some space to grow themselves below Sam Whitelock and Co. So. I think there's a, there's a few opportunities for others, not just whoever gets the captaincy, but others um, to to step into that leadership space as well. That have been doing a great job for their their teams at um, uh, Super Rugby level as well. Mm. Artie Savi is another leader, and, yeah. and he is a guy who is an automatic selection in the most is. part, isn't he? So he's an option. Do we do we is he there or is it? I mean, is it even worth talking about it? Considering Sam White looks likely to have it. Oh, I think he has to be there. He's another guy that is in his first year of captaincy at the Canes. And again, I think he's going to be in a position, uh, you know, he'll probably be likely to move to the seven position um, or he might stay at eight if they, you know, that's another. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we, we yeah. won't go there just yet, but he'll be starting somewhere. Um, you know, he's, he's probably still finding his feet at super level. Um, so uh, again, he might been a place where he steps up to a more um, senior role where he grows that real leadership responsibility because a leadership group and a responsibility, at, at, um, although there's a captain, there's still real on-field le on leadership roles that are important um, in that all-black space that, that can really grow and, and, and I suppose be a stepping stone to taking that opportunity because um, I, I just think you know Sam, Sam Whitelock um, has done it before you know, we don't need too too much um, ruffling or reshaping. Uh, we know it'll bring the best out of him. Uh, it won't it won't um, 
you know, distract from the group, but then I was just trying to take it another level to show that there is space and movement because we can't just expect that Sam can play 80 minutes every week as well. So, and, and if he gets subbed, who do we go to and what opportunities there are elsewhere. Then there's obviously Bodie coming back. So he's obviously um, captained before. Um, so he's, he's another um, yeah. opportunity to step into that space. One guy, I think one guy we probably might have missed is actually had a lot of test matches, but you know, Aaron Smith as well. Aaron Smith's done it a little bit at, um, he's done it in his two rugby level with obviously Ash, Ash being there and he's an experienced guy. And I think maybe he might even have a little bit more influence around if Sam is captain, um, for, you know, for a guy that's probably, um, going to play a lot of footy with, you know, TJ not being, being there or obviously Brad's been playing well when he's been in all black jersey, but again, he might have more of an influence around, um, being that vice captain on the field or, um, in some form of more leadership moving forward. Yeah, yeah. And he's, I think he's already in the leadership group and has yeah. been for quite a long time, so it would be a relatively easy transition, wouldn't it? Yeah, again, yeah. A, a great opportunity to to grow that on-field space. Um, yeah. But I, I, th I do think, first and foremost, Sam Whitelock's the obvious choice. Bowden Barrett, you mentioned Bowden before. He's obviously over in Japan. He's had two match-winning plays in two weeks. He's putting in beautiful kicks. He's beating Bowden Barrett. He's breaking the line. He's, he's kicking a goal pretty well. Does he come back from Japan, do you think, like you mentioned, Sam Whitelock, does he come back better for this? Does, do the All Blacks end up better for this? I, I, th I think so, because he looks like he's pretty happy. Uh, he's immersed himself in the culture and he's, he's still playing really good code. I've commentated um, a couple of those top league games and, and it's, it's of reasonable quality. It's not just um, touch as, as some people probably assume. I think that's the best thing about Sky Sports televising a number of their games. It's, it gives you a good insight to the quality of football being played up there and I suppose the first few weeks that there were some blowout scores, but started to really tighten up, and he was crucial in um, you know a last-minute penalty against Toyota, and obviously a last-minute try in, in last week's one. But um, I, I, you know, if we use Sam Whitelock as an example, he's come back you know humming, um, and, and you'd like to hope, um, well, I really hope for a Blues point of view and an All Blacks point of view that it, it's the same for for Bodie and. Uh, dare I say it, he's looked great at 10. From New Zealand schools to under 20s and then being fully immersed in New Zealand rugby rugby plan and understanding, um, it's going to be great for him to, you know, to come back and be re refreshed. You know, he's, in a new, he's been in a new environment with a new team and obviously playing really well with some of the games that I've seen him play. Um, it's only going to help him coming back refreshed and ready to go. You look at the guys we talk about. Sam Whitelock came back. Uh, you know, Matt Tobbles over there. I look at Jerome Kano as a good mm. example as well. He went over to, to Japan for a year and then I remember him coming back and being having a bit of time off and then coming in really hitting the ground running. If you remember that year, but he came back and was just single-handedly having great performance after great performances, just looking refreshing and had, had that, um, I don't know, just looked a lot, a lot more different, a lot more freer. So um, yeah, it's going to be great to have him back in New Zealand rugby. He's such a, such a great player and for the fact that um, he is coming back. It's great for us for us moving forward because you know he's, he's such a, a great player, world two-time world rugby player of the year. Whenever you get those kind of caliber of players playing and back back now um, in New Zealand, um, it's only going to add us for the for the Blues, like Chips alluded to, and the All Blacks moving forward. As that competition gets harder and harder, and more and more of these big foreign players are in there, and like you say, it's getting more physical. It might not be as easy to come back as refreshed from that Japanese league. No, um, potentially not, especially it might be a little bit different um, for a forward versus uh, back, especially a 10. Mm. 
Mm. Um, just in the sense that they're going to want to get every minute out of their investment, if you know what I mean. Um, you know, there's obviously some rule around rules around how many international players are allowed on the field week to week and things like that. But I think uh, I think ten games out of ten we will see um, Bodie playing uh, just because of his position and, and the influence he can have on the game, and that's why they uh, wanted him and, and invested in him. Um, but with that also comes there is a little bit less contact and collision work than a forward as well. So there's a balancing act between both roles. and uh, So I, I just think it's a freshen up as well. There's still the collision and the impact of training, but it's more a mental refresher in a new environment, in a new city. For him, he's getting to spend a lot of family time. He's got a new uh, baby. So there's all those sorts of things that's a freshen him up mentally as well uh, that I think adds to um, you know, him coming back here with, uh, uh, I suppose, a rejuvenated energy to get back into a blues jersey and a, and a, and a black jersey to, to make every post a winner. He does look good in yellow over there, though. He does look good in blue, too. <laughs> he does look good in yellow, and he's enjoying that width. Oh, like, oh, yeah. he gets out wide and he does his thing. He's enjoying that width, but he's enjoying finding Tavita Lee on a crossfield <laughs> kick, too. Tavita Lee's looking like... I uh, remember that game... Um, against Taranaki when he scored five tries. Tell you what, there's been a few games where he's reminded me of that game when he just made it look too easy. Mm. He's still yeah. got it. I'll tell you what, he's determined to play for Japan. He, is, he certainly will he'll hit the international stage running. What have we got this week? Saturday on Sky Sports Super Rugby, we have the Landers versus the Chiefs. Let's start down with you, Bryn. Where do you see that one going? Well, it's going to be a... It's going to be a tough one, I think. Um, if you're looking at form and a team that's in pretty good form, even though it's one game, you've got to look at the Hollanders going well. Um, so I'm probably going to go, probably actually going to go the Hollanders actually, after just just due to their performance on the weekend. Um, and Chiefs possibly coming off a bye as well. It might be a little bit underdone. I don't think that's going to be the problem. It don't be a problem at all. Uh, but just for the fact that how the Hollanders played on the weekend, I'll probably go the Hollanders, depending on obviously the team. Mm. But gut says. That means he's got no clue. I'm just <laughs> chopping chains all week. Um, Chiefs losing Sammy Kane, like we spoke about, their two wins in a row were, were led so much by, you know, him as a leader, him as a captain, and, and just the way he would have prepared. I know he'll still I think he's going into surgery this week, so he might not be in and around the group going into the game. But he, you know, he'll still be, you know, in communication, and, and the other leaders will be there to stand up. I'm interested to see who slots into that seven jersey. Mm. You know, I don't know if Boshier's back. I don't know if Mitch Carpick's fit. So who is the potential replacement there? I'm not too sure. I'm thinking that you put Peter Gusto cooler at eight and then switch Jacobson to seven. seven. Yeah, which is potential. Uh, whether, you know, it's, it's an interesting mix. I'm just saying that's quite a key... Shift and and and, a, and potential big shift. Um, if they do go with that, um, you know, and, and they can back up, I suppose their set piece. You know, they, the the biggest thing that they've had is they've had a platform to play off, uh, in that second forty, and then they've they've obviously had that. Um, you know, for the most part, especially scrum time against the Blues, and and you know that's what's got them across the line. They've still had to fight and grind out those wins though. They haven't been clean clinical wins, whereas the Highlanders will be buoyed by a pretty clinical win. But again, it was off the back of the other team's errors. I know they forced those errors. 
It's a tough one for me, but under the roof, I think with guys coming back into the environment, um, you know, fighting for those positions during the week, you'd have to think the landers at home would have to get this done in a close one. Yeah. If Sammy Kane was playing, I think I'd go the Chiefs. Right. I genuinely do. Well, they've both got that same attitude over the last few weeks, haven't they? They've brought a very similar approach where they've gone in and got it done against teams that no yeah. one expected them to. I just think that platform up front's going to be crucial, so I'm interested to see the forward makeup, um, and then and then the battle of the nines will be good if they can get which team can win that breakdown and get that front foot ball. Um, you know, seeing Aaron Smith and Brad Weber go head to head and, and being able to play flat and fast with Mitch Hunt um, and Caleb Trask at ten um, will be interesting. Mm-hmm. Now, the Crusaders-Canes, Bryn, you're obviously, I mean, after the loss last week, that hasn't changed the way you're thinking about the Crusaders winning this week. (laughs) I always put my team in, so to to do it out. (laughs) Not going to be planning to manipulate anything this week. No manipulation for refs or anything. No, mate, I'm looking forward to hearing your guys' comments around this game. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, I'll just put some burly out there. Nothing taken. Um, no, no, I'm, I'm Crusaders. I, I, I think it'll be a tight one, though. Um, because I, I do genuinely think the Hurricanes are in a better spot than they've been given credit for. Uh, they are certainly a harder side to break down than than what's been made out. So it'll be, uh, Crusaders will be obviously a lot sharper and, and I'm sure that they'll be sharpening the iron iron on iron this week uh, at training. And, but it's, it's not an easy place to go and get a result um, at Sky Stadium. So uh, it'll, it'll be a tight battle, uh, but I think they'll pull away with it towards the end. I'll be interested to see the Crusaders selections too. Mm. See how ruthless um, Scott Robinson is or does he say, I'm going to give you a go again to rectify what went, went, went so wrong at home last week? What do you think he'll do? Not too sure. Bryn, what does he do? <laughs> Would have named the team today, surely. All will be revealed, gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> it is hard to bet against the Crusaders. Like, I mean, if you just look at the odds, you, yeah. it's hard to bet against what, the Crusaders. Well, yeah, I oh, look, absolutely. I mean... I don't even know last time they've lost back-to-back, let alone lost, was a, was a surprise, So especially at home. Um, but look, look, the one thing we know that their success has been built around is the fact that they do not panic under pressure. Mm. Um, so uh, I suppose I've answered my own question there. I do not think Scott Robinson will be panicking under pressure. No, no. I think he'll be pretty calm. I think their leaders will be pretty calm. They'll go back to what they know. They'll be based around solid set piece, good breakdown ball, and building pressure through phases, taking the points when it's on offer, um, and looking to do the business up front and then earning the right to to go wide. Scott, you stirred up, Brennan? Really good words, man. No, look, it's going to be a, a great opportunity for us again. We had a pretty disappointing game on the weekend, and Look, we just want to make sure that we can um, have the solutions and um, you know prep really well for the week against a team that um, we've always had really good tussles at, in at Sky Stadium. Like you said, Jim, it's always a tough place to play. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a good week for us and we're looking forward to the challenge that's going to be coming up on um, on Sunday afternoon. And judging by your poker face, it's going to be a good week. Hey? He has played a yeah, solid poker face. But let's just not underestimate Colsey's comments. Yeah. 
Right, that, it's it's going to be a sharp week at, at Hurricanes HQ as well. This is this will be a doozy. This will be a good game of footy, not to be missed. Mm, mm. Well, I'm excited for it. Sunday afternoon too. Sunday, Arvo. Sunday afternoon. Oh, even better. Love Sunday afternoon footy. Love Sunday afternoon footy. Uh, have you looked at the weather yet, Bryn? Um, apparently there might be a bit of rain, so hopefully the weather oh, still is good. And Ford Pack gets. will be licking their lips. So, now we'll see. It's going to be good. Hopefully good. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited. That Canes versus Crusaders generally always brings up something interesting. I, I think both matches, because they're so hard to pick, I, I think the, the Crusaders is, is one that's potentially easier based on history. And, and the bounce back, but that, that first one is genuinely a tough one to pick. 